Good morning, Helen Christian Centre. So good to be with you guys. It's an amazing facility and I really hope you value and appreciate your worship team and your tech team. Yeah, they do everything perfectly, no one notices. If they screw up, everyone does. <laughs> anyway, um, just if it helps at all with my credibility here, um, we have come up from Christchurch, but I am a Picton boy, uh, grew up in Coromico, love this area, so good to be back. And you are doing a much better job of promoting Marlborough with your weather today than you were yesterday. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, are you ready? Shall we do this? So today, I want to pose the question. What does every pilot need to do to stay alive that you also need to do to help save lives? Hold that thought. I love science, and for me, it was really exciting when I began to discover that science had not disproved the Bible, but in fact supports what's written in it. So while not formally trained as a scientist, I've been an avid user of science in a context where getting it wrong can have really serious consequences. Yeah. I'm referring to my career in aviation, which includes the maintenance of big aeroplanes, uh, specifically jet engines, as an aircraft engineer for 40 years. Am I getting amen from the front row? <laughs> we like to say that uh, without us, it's just a big glider. <laughs> Plus, I've done some time um, flying small ones as a hobby as well. I love flying in this area, it's amazing. But today, I'm representing a global organisation called Creation Ministries International, which exists to build the faith of Christians, to give them confidence in God's word, the Bible, and to encourage them in sharing their faith with other people. We describe this as arming God's army. And we're effectively an information ministry to the church. We focus on the Bible and the book of Genesis in particular, because uh, that's the book most under attack by those seeking to discredit the Bible. So today I want to look at three things. Firstly, I want to show you why this issue really does matter. Then we'll look at a bit of evidence supporting the creation account in the Bible. And then thirdly, what we can do to make a difference. Back to aviation for a minute. Uh, flying is an incredible privilege that allowed me to do some really fun things like this. Now, stalling an aircraft is very different to stalling a car. It can result in a spin, which um, unnerves some passengers because you end up pointing straight at the ground, going round and round. But it's perfectly safe if carried out at altitude. That was on purpose, by the way. <laughs> Flying comes with a warning. It's highly addictive. <laughs> Linda will tell you that I spend way too much time looking skyward and wishing I was up there. But it turns out, up there isn't always a good place to be. There's a saying in aviation that says it's better to be down here wishing you were up there than to be up there wishing you were down here. <laughs> it's very true. Chances are, if you find yourself up there wishing you were down here, it's because of something you didn't do or you didn't know before you even took off. It's highly likely that it's because you weren't fully prepared or equipped in some way. A pilot must prepare in advance for every expected part of the flight ahead, but also for the unexpected things 
that might occur. It's no use finding yourself in the middle of an unexpected spin and then trying to read the flight manual to find out how to get out of a spin. That's not going to end well for you. You need to have done that ahead of time. It's all about preparation. Now the same is true for all of us here today. We need to be prepared and equipped ahead of time. We all have conversations, hopefully, where people raise questions about Christianity and the Bible. How do you go when you're in that position? The Apostle Peter in the Bible has some advice for us in this regard where he tells us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. How well prepared are you? What will you say when your teenager comes home and says, we learned all about evolution at school today and how it works? Or your workmate might say to you, how can you deny evolution? The fossil record proves it. What if your neighbour said to you, how can there be a God when there's so much suffering in the world? Will you wish you were down there, not up here? Or will you be prepared, able to respond confidently? These conversations are great opportunities to have a real impact in someone's life. And I want to tell you that it's possible to give solid answers that make sense, that cause non-Christian people to think, Maybe it's not all myth and wishful thinking after all. Maybe I should find out more. So, the first reason that the evolution versus creation issue matters is that we need to be prepared for conversations around this topic, able to defend our faith. We've been called to be salt and light in this world, to make a difference. And we're surrounded by lost people in desperate need of help and direction. The second reason that this discussion matters is that the Bible is under attack. The theory of evolution is the greatest and most successful attack on the Bible there has ever been. And we read every day in the media about the tragic results of abandoning the Bible as our guide for life. Now some, even in the church, think that the creation-evolution debate is a sideshow. It's not worth focusing on. But I want to tell you that for those outside the church looking in, this is not a side issue. It's very much what they're focused on. Evolution is the greatest reason given by people outside the church why they don't believe the Bible. You may be surprised to learn that this issue affects the core message of the Bible. Salvation. Jesus' death on the cross. So don't let anyone tell you this is a side issue. Another reason why this is important. I have a question for you. Where did you come from? I want to suggest to you that when you boil it all down, there are three really big questions that we all face regarding our time on this planet. Number one, where did I come from? What's my origin? Number two, why am I here? What's my purpose in life? And number three, Where am I going next? What happens when I die? I also want to suggest to you that your answers to questions two and three depend entirely on how you answer question one. If life started randomly and we evolved with no creator, then your time on this planet has no meaning, no ultimate purpose, 
And when you die, that's it. End of story. Job done. Our children are taught this worldview. And then we wonder why the youth suicide rate is so high. I'm sure you'll agree that it's tragic, but unsurprising. Following the Columbine High School massacre in 1999, in which 13 people were killed, the school superintendent asked why such an atrocity had occurred. Pastor and police chaplain Gino Giracci gave him the following reply. He said, you have taught our children that they come from nowhere, that that's where they're going, and that life is a point of pain and a meaningless existence. And they believed you. Our young people are not stupid. If we tell them that they are nothing more than rearranged pond scum, they will come to the entirely logical conclusion that they have no more value than pond scum, and they will act accordingly, and we're seeing it. The evolution issue matters. It's not just an interesting intellectual discussion. Lives really are at stake. To put it another way, ideas have consequences, and bad ideas have bad consequences. So arguably, the question, where did I come from, is the most important question that we can ask. A little girl was facing this question, and so she asked her father, where did the human race come from? Her father answered, well, God made Adam and Eve. They had children, their children had children. Ultimately, all of us are descended from them. Two days later, the little girl asked her mother the same question, and her mother answered, well, many years ago, the human race evolved from monkeys. The confused girl returned to her father and said, Dad, I don't get it. You told me that God created the human race, and Mum says that we evolved from monkeys. The father wisely answered, Well, dear, it's very simple. I told you about my side of the family, and your mother told you about hers. (laughs) Obviously, not a real story. But if you were that father, could you give logical answers to your daughter supporting your statement that God created humans with solid evidence? It really could impact your eternity. Can you see how our answer to the question, where did I come from, does matter? One final reason why this matters. I have some sobering information for you regarding our young people going off to university. You need to understand that university is far from neutral. Virtually every subject is toxic to Christianity. Australian Students for Christ chaplain Craig Tasker noted, the institution's philosophy of education is secular humanism. Thus students are bombarded with it, and every lecture is the basic assumption. This constant brainwashing destroys the faith of many Christians each year. He says, our surveys indicate that 80% of first-year students believe in a God who is there. By their second year, only 15% believe in God. Fallout is a powerful DVD produced by Creation Ministries, in which uni students in the USA were interviewed about the teaching they received as a young person. Every single student who said they were raised in the church but no longer attends church said they now believed evolution to be a scientific fact. The interview showed clearly that the majority of the young people not exposed to creation teaching 
and their youth now embrace evolution and no longer attend church. Yet, listen to this. Every student spoken to who was equipped with answers about evolution as a young person still retains their Christian convictions. Better still, every single student spoken to who affirmed biblical creation still attends church regularly. We hear so often from parents who wish they'd heard this earlier. It's a powerful DVD. And uh, I'll tell you later on how you can get hold of a free copy. Really pleased to be able to tell you that we have a, a resource specifically written to prepare our young people for going to university. This booklet is great value, only $4.50. In my opinion, it's, it's essential reading for anyone at or heading to university. So, having established that this issue is important, how can we get prepared to respond to questions and challenges? How can we equip our families? Probably the easiest way is the free InfoBytes email newsletter produced by Creation Ministries. These regular emails keep you right up to date with the latest information and news. InfoBytes is not limited just to science-related topics. It addresses all sorts of recent news and topical issues. It's a great resource that costs you nothing. So if, you could, uh, if you'd like a regular supply of encouraging articles and uh, biblical perspectives on the latest discoveries, just add your details to the sign-up sheets that are on the resource tables afterwards. It's that easy. You're getting equipped to make a difference. The other free resource is the Creation Ministries website. The web address could not be much easier to remember, creation.com. The amount of information you'll find there is staggering. Around 10,000 articles covering everything imaginable on the creation evolution debate, as well as many articles supporting the Bible as God's word. Around 700 video clips, many of them only about a minute long. A new front page article every day, Monday through Saturday. And we now have resources in over 40 different languages. A teenage schoolgirl found she never had answers to her questions. But after finding our website, she said, I was surprised to find the answers to the questions I had been asking for over 10 years. And literally the first day I was at your site. It helped me realise that true faith and intelligence aren't mutually exclusive. A few months later, I became a Christian. How awesome is that? The power of information. So we have these two competing histories, creation and evolution. You're probably aware that one of the most obvious differences between them is the time frames. Evolutionary history is completely harnessed to huge time frames and requires gradual change over millions of years. The Bible's time frame, on the other hand, is much shorter. The book of Genesis tells us that God completed all his work of creating in six earth rotation days. Now, of course, if he is who he says he is, he could have done it in six seconds or instantly. But he chose to do it over six days. The writer of Genesis makes this crystal clear and really leaves no room for any alternative time frame. Six normal days also make sense of Genesis as the basis for our working week, as we find in Exodus 20. It's worth noting that these verses are part of the Ten Commandments, and so these are words spoken directly by God. The Bible also gives us a timeline of world history, around 1,650 years from creation until Noah's flood, and about 4,500 years since then. So how does the Bible do this? 
Well, genealogies can be added up to give us about 2,000 years from Adam until Abraham. Then the Old Testament gives us enough information about the reigns of kings and major events in the history of Israel to be able to calculate another 2,000 years until Jesus, and finally, 2,022 years since then. So where did the idea of millions of years of earth history come from? Well, people looked at the huge depth of sedimentary layers in the earth's crust, that's rock that's been laid down by water, and assumed that the layers must have been laid down gradually, which would, of course, take a long time under normal circumstances. But could the layers have been laid down rapidly? Noah's flood gives us a scenario where massive sedimentary layers would have been laid down all over the earth in a relatively short space of time. And we have modern evidence of exactly this happening, albeit on a much smaller scale. We have actually observed rapid formation of sedimentary layers. When Mount St. Helens in the USA erupted on the 18th of May, 1980, one of the many surprising results was an eight-metre-thick deposit exposed in a cliff alongside the North Fork Tootle River. It's composed of finely layered sediment, and if we didn't know better, could assume that it had been laid down layer by layer over long periods of time, except we know that this whole deposit formed in three hours because it was, it was observed. The Mount St. Helens eruption also demonstrated how canyons can be formed much faster than conventionally thought. The ongoing eruptions eroded the thick sediment dumped at the base of the volcano, producing channels and canyons. One of these channels, named Little Grand Canyon, had side walls up to 40 metres high. Now, someone seeing that, can can that canyon might conclude that it was eroded slowly by the small creek running through it over many hundreds or thousands of years. However, the formation of this canyon was documented. It was carved by a mud flow in a single day on the 19th of March, 1982. Other canyons on the flanks of the volcano show that it's not just soft material that can be eroded quickly. Lewitt Canyon, which is over 30 metres deep, was gouged in part through old, hard volcanic rock called andesite, by mud flows in just a few months in the second half of 1980. So we have plenty of evidence that sedimentary layers can form quickly and can be eroded very quickly as well. The real Grand Canyon is another amazing example where we can clearly see the various rock layers. You may not be aware that this is powerful evidence for rapid formation of sedimentary rock. See how the lines between the layers are very sharp and flat. Those lines supposedly represent gaps in time of millions of years. But think about it. If those surfaces had in fact been exposed for millions of years before the next one was laid down, they wouldn't be flat. They would be heavily eroded by water and tree roots and animal burrows and so on. This picture shows the sharp, flat contact line between the Coconino sandstone above and the Hermit Shale below. There is supposed to be a 10 million year interval between those two layers of the Grand Canyon. But this contact line can be seen extending for hundreds of kilometres with no sign of any erosion between the layers. This is strong evidence that they were laid down rapidly. 
So while the idea of the earth being around 6,000 years old may seem radical when we're constantly bombarded with millions of years, in fact, the majority of the scientific evidence indicates that the earth is young, not millions of years old at all. So we've already looked at a little bit of geological evidence supporting the creation account in the Bible. Before we look at some more evidence, I just need to explain something about science. Not all types of science are equal. When most people think of science, they think of what we call operational science. Operational or experimental science is repeatable, it's measurable, there are well-defined laws that accurately predict the outcomes. There's not much debate about this sort of science. It's the sort of science that gives us cell phones and microwave ovens and sends rockets to the moon. Generally speaking, operational science provides us with lots of beneficial technologies and it leads people to respect what scientists say. But when we talk about evolution or anything that happened in the past, this isn't operational science. What we're dealing with here is historical or forensic science. It's not really repeatable or measurable because we weren't there. We don't know the exact conditions or environment. We can't repeat the Big Bang as an experiment or the spontaneous <coughs> origin of life. We should remember what God said to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Some evidence will be available to us today, but it will be interpreted by a human. Both evolution and creation fall into this second category. So to reiterate, operational science deals with the present, it's observable, it's repeatable. This is the sort of science that underpins aviation, where there's no place for speculation or philosophical influences. It has to work. Note also that no one has ever found a conflict between the Bible and experimentation in operational science. But historical science, which is largely what we're focused on today, deals with the past. It's not observable or repeatable. This is an important distinction to make. This is where worldviews really come into play and explains why there can be such different explanations for the same evidence. Both evolutionists and creationists are looking at the same data or evidence, but coming to very different conclusions because of their different worldviews. One more thing about science. Science is investigative by nature. <coughs> Ideas change as we learn more. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's how it should be. But God's word doesn't change. It never has, it never will. And it doesn't need to change because it's true. So never be tempted to place scientific thought above God's word. Let's take a quick look at some more evidence. First up, fossils. Fossils are presented often as evidence for evolution, but actually fossils give fantastic support to the Bible's history. Look at how fossils are formed. The story that we've probably all been told and you'll find with a quick Google search is that an animal dies in or ends up in a body of water. It sinks to the bottom and over millions of years it's gradually covered by layers of sediment. Eventually it becomes a fossil which may be discovered when the sedimentary rock erodes away. Does that sound reasonable? It does actually, until you think about what happens in real life. Think about it. In real life, a dead animal in water doesn't just sit there untouched for years while sediment gradually covers it up. It's immediately set upon by the local carnivores who tear it apart and scatter the remains. It certainly doesn't remain in one piece long enough for sediment to cover it. 
Recent experiments have shown that even without predators, a body in water will disintegrate rather than remain in one piece. In reality, the only way to create a fossil is complete and rapid burial of the dead animal, excluding oxygen and preventing carnivores from making a meal of it. Now, millions of fossils have been found all over the world in rock laid down by water. Can you think of an event that might explain the rapid and complete burial of millions of animals all over the earth? <laughs> it's not a trick question. The global flood of Noah's day gives us the ideal explanation. You need to understand that Noah's flood was not just a benign raising of the water levels after a lot of rain. This was an incredibly violent and catastrophic event. There would have been lots of volcanic and tectonic activity. It reshaped the surface of the whole planet. There would have been mud flows on a massive scale all over the earth, well able to drown, bury and fossilise millions of animals. Other pieces of evidence that support this explanation of drowning and rapid burial are fossils that appear like a snapshot in time, showing animals like this fish in the middle of eating his lunch, or giving birth like this ichthyosaur. I've heard of long labours, but millions of years? I don't think so. This is not what you would expect from a slow, gradual process. Also interesting is the arched back posture of many fossils that we now know as evidence of death by drowning. Finally, on fossils are discovered by Mary Schweitzer in 1993, absolutely stunned the scientific community because it was such a challenge to the idea of dinosaur fossils being millions of years old. Dr. Schweitzer identified fresh, looking soft cellular tissue inside a T. rex femur. She then identified dinosaur blood vessels, still flexible and elastic after 68 million years, <laughs> and apparently intact cells. There is no way this cellular tissue could last for 65 million years. There have been many attempts to explain away this discovery, but Schweitzer's findings have since been repeated and confirmed multiple times. We have a, a real fossil for you to have a look at today. It's a Phacops trilobite, which is an extinct marine arthropod. This one is called Doug. <laughs> no offence, Doug. <laughs> in the evolutionary story, trilobites are supposed to be very primitive creatures because they're found low on the fossil record. But we find that the trilobites had compound eyes that are among the most sophisticated and complex systems of any creature that ever lived. So Doug, uh, Doug will be available out on the uh, resource tables afterwards waiting for you. <laughs> the detailed preservation of Doug is evidence that he was rapidly buried before scavengers could get to him. He was very likely fossilised during Noah's flood about four and a half thousand years ago. So you can have a look at something that was very likely walking around as Noah loaded up the ark. There are many other ways in which the fossil record supports the Bible's version of events. Next, a quick look at human races and racism. So was evolutionary thinking the original cause of racism? No, it wasn't. But Darwin's writings greatly fueled racism, providing a so-called scientific justification for it. Darwin's famous book on the origin of species by means of natural selection has the subtitle, 
or the preservation of favoured races in the struggle for life. In modern times, one of the biggest justifications for racial discrimination was the idea that different people groups have evolved separately. In this view, some groups will be at different stages of evolution, some more backward than others. The logical conclusion is that some groups are not as fully human as others. This is demonstrated by a 1900s article in Encyclopedia Britannica, which under the heading Negro stated, the nearly unanimous consent of anthropologists is that Negroes occupy the lowest position on the evolutionary scale. We now know that neither science nor the Bible support these ideas. According to the Bible, we are all the descendants of the first two people who lived, Adam and Eve, whom God created and placed in the Garden of Eden. So all people were created as humans by God. And all humans came from Adam. So it's impossible that any people groups are closer to animals than others. So what about the apparent differences between people groups? Well, science is now finally catching up with God's word. <laughs> the study of genetics now confirms what the Bible has always said, that we are all related very closely. If you compare the DNA of any two people in the world, the difference will typically be just 0.2%. Have a look. Uh, the, uh, many of the differences sorry, are only skin deep. Have a look at this picture. How closely do you think these two girls are related? The answer is very. They're twins. These twin sisters from the UK are stunning evidence that we are all closely related. Maria is dark-skinned and Lucy is fair-skinned, yet they're twins born to their part Jamaican mother and white father. This matches what we would expect from biblical history. If you prefer a little bit more cute factor with your science, then check out another pair of twin girls also from the UK. These two feature in one of the free brochures that we have available here today. So we see that evolutionary thinking leads us in a tragic direction. But the Bible not only explains why racism is wrong, it also shows us that the so-called racial differences are tiny. And we are, in fact, one human race and one human family. There's so much more evidence available in all the scientific disciplines that support the Bible's history. If you want to see lots more evidence like this, check out the resources when we finish. Or go to creation.com. You'll be amazed at the wealth of information available there. I hope you're beginning to see that armed with a bit of information, a few key concepts, it's very easy for you to get equipped with answers to the commonly asked questions about creation and evolution. So I want to ask you a really important question. Are you willing to get equipped so that you're able to respond to questions about your faith? Are you willing to equip your family with answers to the questions that we know come up all the time? Questions about carbon dating, dinosaurs, missing links, ape men, how did all the animals fit on the ark? Who was Cain's wife? How did the different races arise? How could a loving God allow suffering? People are looking for solid answers. There are far too many testimonies of people walking away from their faith because they couldn't get answers to these questions. And they were told, you just need to believe. 
Back to Peter, who told us to always be prepared with answers. This is the reason that uh, the creation ministry speakers and their wives lug around lots of books and DVDs and magazines and pamphlets. It's so that you can do your own investigating, so that you can get equipped with answers to these questions, so that you can hear the side of the story you're not going to get in many classrooms or on the Discovery Channel, so you can hear from real scientists with real degrees who have been involved in real research. Scientists who have found that the biblical history is by far the best fit in explaining our universe and everything in it. I want to be very clear here, we're not providing resources to make money. We're a not-for-profit ministry. The primary aim of Creation Ministries is to help you get equipped with tools and information able to show that God's word is true and trustworthy. If I could borrow from a colleague and put this in culinary terms, I would suggest to you that this talk is nothing more than an appetizer. The main meal is out in the foyer. Don't underestimate the impact that you can have by getting hold of good information, digesting it, and passing it on. There's a battle going on over the hearts and minds of our families and our friends, and we need to be armed. Probably the most effective means to share this information is Creation Magazine. I'm one of many people who would say that this magazine has changed my life. It's a powerful resource, goes out four times a year. It's always visually stunning, suitable for a wide age range. There's always a kids section. It carries no paid advertising. It's completely full of useful information. Creation Magazines receives, uh, sorry, Creation Ministries receives many testimonies of the life-changing impact of this magazine. For example, a young scientist called Sonia had rejected Christianity, but a colleague both memorised and photocopied articles and shared them with her for over two years. She says, the process was interesting and that once I realised that creation could have happened, thereby removing my evolutionary foundation and replacing it with the creation foundation, I then found it easy to accept the entire gospel message. By passing on a copy, even subscribing for someone else, you could be instrumental in that kind of change in their life. How amazing would that be? Think of Creation Magazine as a pipeline delivering encouraging, faith-building information into your home. In addition, the hard copy subscription to Creation Magazine includes the digital version, which you can access on up to five devices. No steak knives, I'm sorry. <laughs> but wait. There is actually more. <laughs> if you subscribe today for one year, you get a free back issue. Two-year subscription will get you a free back issue and two sleeved DVDs. One is called Rapid Rocks, which gives lots of evidence, a geological evidence for a global flood. The other is the Fallout DVD I mentioned earlier about uh, young people uh, leaving the church. This family magazine gives God the glory and gives you the answers to defend your faith. So sign-up sheets will be available afterwards at the resource table. Really encourage you to do so if you don't already receive this amazing resource. Uh, we do have FPOS here today. And if you're thinking of gifting a subscription, subscription to someone else, um, there's, there's a place uh, on the back of the form for you to do that. I'm not exaggerating when I describe this magazine as life-changing. Many people continue to testify that to that. Next, I'll quickly highlight just a few of the other resources available here today. Our most popular book is the Creation Answers book. It carries the answers to more than 60 of the most commonly asked questions about creation, evolution, and the book of Genesis. 
All the different questions I listed before are answered in this book and many more. It's great to have sitting around as a handy resource. And we also carry a kid's version of this book. We carry lots of child-friendly books as well. And the children's book pack is really good value. Five titles reduced from $90 to 54 Refuting Evolution is a powerful book which deals with the main arguments for evolution used in schools and universities. And we carry resources on dinosaurs, an amazing witnessing tool supporting the Bible. Also biology, geology, astronomy, many more. There are lots of DVDs as well. In case you don't have the means to play DVDs, we've now launched a streaming feature on creation.com where you can rent or buy video content and stream it to your device or smart TV. Today is a unique opportunity for you. These resources are not available in schools or libraries, not even in many Christian bookshops. Finally, another reminder about the website, creation.com. All of this has been produced so that you and your family can get informed, equipped, excited about the truth of the Bible, able to confidently deal any questions that come your way. So to round it all off, let's return to the three big questions we considered at the beginning. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going next? Remember how our answers to questions two and three depend on our answer to question one. Well, if the Bible is correct in what it tells us about question one, that we were deliberately designed, created by an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God, then it's only sensible that we look at questions two and three and consider, what does the Bible say about them? Regarding the question, why am I here? The Bible, which is described as a love letter from God, all the way through, tells us that God created us to be the recipients of his love and that we were designed to love him back and to know him intimately and to live a life of purpose, fulfillment, and excitement. Regarding the question, where am I going next? The Bible also gives us a very clear answer. Remember how good the world was before the entry of death and suffering brought on by sin. God promises restoration to a similar state but even better, the complete removal of all pain, suffering, disease, and death in a place of intense joy and peace in his close presence forever. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Adam and Eve had the choice of obeying God and remaining in a perfectly good paradise or rejecting him and experiencing the pain and suffering that were never intended for them. We all face that same choice today. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he reversed the effects of Adam's disobedience and he made a way, the only way, for us to be reunited with God now and into eternity. The Bible describes how sin entered the world due to the actions of one man, the first Adam, and also how sin and death were defeated completely by the actions of one man, the last Adam, Jesus. We can't earn our way into heaven by being good. We'll never be good enough. We need to respond to Jesus. If this is something you haven't done yet, really encourage you, keep searching, keep asking, 
Keep investigating. There isn't a more important decision. So to close, I want to suggest to you that the Bible is completely consistent with what we observe in the world around us. It's not opposed by science. It's true. And we can trust it with our lives. Returning once again to the challenge in 1 Peter 3 to always be prepared, this is so easy for us today. There's so much good information available. Just don't forget the last part of 1 Peter 3, which counsels us to talk to people with gentleness and respect. This is such an exciting era for Christians. There's more and more scientific discoveries are made that so powerfully support what God has said all along. I encourage you to keep learning, keep getting better prepared to, the answer the, to answer the questions and challenges that will come your way. Don't be this guy. I'll be available afterwards if there are questions or issues you want to talk through. Or if you prefer, talk to your church leadership. Asking questions is a really healthy habit. Always be prepared. Thank you so much for listening. You made it. Thanks.